Welcome everybody to another episode of Thrive. Today we have Hussam Al-Saraf. He's the new chief resident elect in Duke Department of Psychiatry. He'll start this new position in July and he has a beautiful story. He actually was a pretty successful stock trader in Wall Street before deciding to switch into medicine and then to psychiatry. We talked a little bit about his life story, but we also talk about the value of culture in your environment and how to generate it from within. It's going to be a good one. Enjoy. Thanks, Sam, for joining us today to another episode of Thrive, I guess, week post-Valentine's edition. <laughs> oh, wow. I feel special, yeah. You're, you're special, Sam. <laughs> and oh, congratulations on being the new chief resident at Duke. How does that feel? Thanks, Christian. Um, it feels still um kind of unreal uh, to be honest with you um it hasn't i guess um sunk in what what it means uh, to be the chief um i guess i'm the uh, assistant chief of the ed um, services this year and um to be honest with you that's been like one of the, the best experiences of residency so far so i'm i'm hoping that the um, executive chief position uh, will be a, a similar experience. Oh, that's nice. Um, before we get into the depth of it, this is Hussam Al-Saraf. He is a P current third year resident in psychiatry at Duke University. You're going to be chief resident starting in July. You're currently assistant chief in the emergency department. And you were a prior Wall Street trader, is that correct? Um, correct, E-Wall Street to be specific. Um, what, what does that mean? So um, it's uh, actually the, the, sh the street name of the company that I was uh, working at um, was located on um, E-Wall Street, um, which I guess um, translates into like electronic Wall Street. Um, it was an algorithm um, pioneer um, trading company. So the, the founders of the company um, started it basically in, the, in their garage and okay. it expanded into um, a multi-million dollar company um, when it got bought out by Citigroup in, in 2008, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, that's what E-Wall Street stands for, Electronic Wall Street. Amazing. Okay, so I, ha I, I have two questions for you. One, why has the, the position of Assistant Chief Resident uh, in the Emergency Department been so meaningful to you? And two, tell me the story of how the, do you become, you go from an E-Wall e Street trader to a psychiatrist. How does that happen? Sure. Um, which one would you like me to start with? Whichever you would prefer. All right. Um, so um, in terms of the um, assistant chief 
position, why that is been so meaningful and, and such a great experience. Um, I think in large part um, is due to the residents, um, the contact with the with the my fellow residents on the rotation. Um, it's it's such a pleasure. I mean, I know you you know you spend a good deal of time over here and um, you know kind of the quality um, and characteristics of um, people that come through this uh, this training program and it's really just um, outstanding um, people and um, getting to um, work with them just check in on them um, support them uh, ed educate them it's it's been um, something that I look forward to every week amazing yeah i remember i one of the things that i loved about doing residency there was exactly what you're saying people come from such a diverse group different interests and they all were they're amazing at what they do an example of you uh, an example is you like coming from this in like the financial system complete uh different world from which you're at some people were dancers before so like it, it is, I feel like psychiatry is a field that really benefits from understanding different aspects of society and having a diverse group with sometimes a completely different career, sometimes a, a hobby that they took to professional levels. Sometimes we, we have uh, the prior chief resident, he was a gemologist before he became a psychiatrist. There, it, it's such a beautiful diversity that adds to the context of what it is to be a human being that is so useful when you want to become a psychiatrist and understand different aspects of the human psyche. So I, I yes, I understand what you're saying. And you're making me remember uh, my, my last year when I was chief and you were uh, an intern. It always stuck in my mind how relaxed and upbeat you were regardless of the difficulties that you were presented with, right? Like being an intern can be a stressful situation. Um, yeah. I appreciate that, Christian. And, and maybe there's a, a good time to share. Um, I don't know if I, I shared this with you before, but you were actually one of the reasons I, I ranked um, Duke number one on my, on my rank list. Um, really? I remember, uh, yeah, I remember our interview day. Um, in the lunch, it was you and, and Eric and mm. going through the pet presentation about like life in Durham and um, just the collegiality um, between the two of you and um, how kind of relaxed the atmosphere felt. It wasn't mm. something that I was expecting in mm. such a high uh, intellectually um, curious and, and cutting edge place that Duke is um, to to see like how cool the residents were was <laughs> amazing. And, and it just, I think um, it continues to be like that. And it's just been a great experience since then, but yeah. Th thank you for saying that. And, and this will be like an interesting topic to talk about right now, because what you're talking about is culture. And as a leader, you, you basically, in, in some aspects, you will be leading the residency program. Of course, the program director is actually leading the program. You, but you will have a significant influence on the culture of, of the program. And that is 
completely related into how you relate to others and how do you decide to to interact with other people and i made a point i I think that one of the big things that i wanted to do is to on the one side again like have basically what you just said let let me try to, to see if i can make it more nuanced some people especially doctors and and especially people in academic fields there is this sense that if you are completely serious in all aspects of your life while you're interacting with others in the hospital with almost like this like a a little bit of detachment towards others that uh, has something to be to do with your intellectual capacity or or that speaks of your professionalism as a as a professor or as a physician, et cetera. And, and I dis- really disagree with that. I really think that if you allow, or if you're able to uh, sink intellectual uh, progress and, and, and inquisitiveness with uh, an, an, an ambience of fun and, and just relaxation, you will probably do better. And I really wanted to do that uh, during my time as chief. I wanted to make sure that there was that combination of you can be yourself, whatever that means for you, and be authentic and find your passions, whatever those may may be. I come from a, I have very, like uh, kind of unusual passions. I'm very interested in psychedelic assisted psychotherapy, artificial intelligence, just, storytelling sometimes and and i know that that's not necessarily mainstream and or maybe now it's just starting to become mainstream but when i started people would look at me weird if i started talking about mushrooms and psilocybin as psychotherapy and things like that and and i just talking about it before was cool yeah exactly exactly and i think that allowing you to be yourself and be authentic with you who you are allows you to find your passions and then bring your passions as part of the field of psychiatry and then share that with others. And then it becomes like this thriving environment. And I really wanted to to make that happen. And I made a point to do that during those meetings where I explain about uh, how Durham was and and things like that. And Eric was like a good, a good person to do that with me. He has like a very nice sarcastic demeanor that I really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that you you did a you modeled that um, intellectual curiosity um, acceptance. I felt like um, you know, and to this day I feel like you could be yourself. And um, I think that that is one of the um, advantages of of the field of psychiatry that um, ability to kind of the best way to explain it is to if you, like you were saying to to be serious all the time it's almost like you're you're not being yourself mm-hmm. uh, which means that you're putting filters mm-hmm. um and you, you know if, if you're the, if you're putting up filters you're not going to be operating at, at at your best um because you're not being truthful mm-hmm. and it's tough to work with people um that you don't feel comfortable being completely true with 
um, patients as well. I mean, um, a lot of what they're telling us is things that they haven't shared with anyone before. So talk about being um, truthful and, and honest. And I think that we also owe it to, to them to, you know, ex accept um, no matter what, um, and also to, to kind of be vulnerable as well. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that um, it's, it kind of brings, um, you know, not just in profession and life in general, just being honest with each other and, and being um, curious and, and accepting is, I think, the, the only way to, to do it. Um, otherwise, you're just kind of like living a fake yeah, you're not living your life. You're right. Yeah. You're living a fake life. You're filtering yourself all of the time, being extremely aware of what you think is appropriate to say. And that that reflects in all areas of your life. That will reflect in your professional areas of your life. That will reflect in your friendships, in your romantic relationships, in, in your family. Like, it'll relate to your children. To like, It'll become a trap for your life that you're creating for yourself. And I think that as long as you're authentic in the in the sense of like knowing yourself and, and, and there's an aspect of modulating how you feel like you, you can't be saying also like, oh, I'm feeling angry. I'm going to punch you in the face because that's what it means to be authentic. Right. Like, but but maybe saying, hey, I feel angry and then looking inside. Why am I angry? Like what is what what did happen right now or, or recently that has made me being a little bit angry and then talking about that in that moment. Even that's hard. I mean, I still work on those kinds of things. And and yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. And I'm excited to see or, or, and, or to hear, because I'm not there anymore, uh, what will be the culture that you'll be bringing into the program. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it, to, to um, the um, group of residents. Um, just like, it's tough to believe, but they, they get better and better. Um, it's, it's, um, it's amazing group of people to work with. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to, to the opportunity, um, to, yeah. to do that. Yeah. And, uh, it looks, and I have, uh, you know, big shoes to fill, um, based on, uh, prior, uh, chief residents, um, and, and current chief, um, it's, yeah. Yeah. I, I know that you will do fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, tell us the story of Wall Street. I'm like dying to hear it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think um, so. Unfortunately, you know, intern year um, was um, we I guess we're on like a lot of like different um, schedules and, and um, we didn't necessarily get time to to really chat about about things and i don't know if i've i've told you this story before um I've you have a little bit like i think you shared some bits with me but i don't sure. think i fully heard it like from like oh i wanted to become a trader to like and i'm now a psychiatrist like i, don't, I haven't heard a full thing sure I, and i don't think I've, I've given the full thing um really maybe ever um i've given a lot of like bits and pieces so um, I guess this might be a good time to share. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so I um, graduated um, high school. Um, at the time, my, my folks were living in Oman. And um, um, I 
they were very, like pressing me um, to, or I'd say encouraging me to, to go down the medical field. Um, my family is, is very um, medically oriented. Um, and I, I decided to, to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go to the US and um, experience something new and kind of see where life, life takes me. Um, so I went to the College of Charleston in Charleston, South Carolina. This was um, back in uh, the year 2000. And, um, you know, did many classes during uh, my freshman year of the day at the Liberal Arts College. So you have the opportunity to do a whole bunch of um, a wide range of, of um, different topics. And um, I did a, um, a course in economics, um, which was fascinating and did some more classes in business and accounting. And I found it all um, to be pretty inter interesting. And at the time there was um, the Sarbanes-Oxley Act um, after the fall of um, Enron and the scandals with um, Arthur Anderson and the um, some of the other um, big accounting firms or auditing firms. Hmm. So that just got me interested in in the field even more. And um, what what were those scandals, by the way? I, I'm not sure that I know that. Just um, I don't know. I don't remember all the details, but it was. Um, um, basically an accounting auditing um, scandal where, um, I mean, a few companies went down, um, like Arthur Anderson, it used to be the big five um, accounting firms, and now it's the big four. Um, mm. Arthur Anderson is, is no longer, um, because of the issues that were going on with um, them, I guess, not auditing um, the, the books of, of a few companies Got in the way it was uh, supposed to go or um, as a result of that Sarbanes-Oxley was introduced which made which brought along a lot more rules and regulations in that field um, and if it just felt like based on my mentors at the time talking to them it felt like a field where I'd be able to make a big difference um, and um, you know it's um, did just loving life in, in Charleston, South Carolina, and decided mm -hmm. to stay there um, at the College of Charleston and um, got my master's in, in accountancy there as well. And after that, I decided to, to go to my favorite place at the time, which was New York City. Mm. Um, and uh, practiced it at uh, Ernst & Young, um, one of the big four companies. Yeah. Um, and it was a, it was a good experience. Um, living in New York was great. I just remember like when I was there, like I, I've seen more of the city just visiting it than, than I have living here. Um, so was working um, incredibly long hours. Um, and towards the end of my first year over there, I got a, um, an offer to work um, as a stock trader at the, the company that um, was local in Charleston. This was actually my dream job when I was in college. Um, 
um, was was to work there. But I never I never applied straight out of college for some reason. Um, so it took going to New York City to uh, to change that mentality. Um, but yeah, I uh, started working there as um, as a stock trader, as a um, a day trader, and also um, worked on um, the algorithm side of, of things as well, where you'd be programming um, different trading algorithms to go out in the market and essentially trade for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was so specifically for stocks? This was, yes, at the time, um, it was specifically for stocks. Got it. So equities. And it was a fascinating job. Um, it, you, I was working with really smart people again as well. I was fortunate enough and very diverse group of people. And um, it was it was an amazing um, job. And um, I felt like I thrived in, in that environment um, a lot. Um, and um, yeah, I didn't see myself doing anything else, to be honest with you. Um, and then I had a very acute, um, serious medical condition um, that just popped out of nowhere um, in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, yeah, the company I worked for actually, uh, we got bought, bought out by Citigroup in 2008. And when the, uh, the stock market crash happened, um, they, they pointed the finger initially at, at our trade desk, thinking that we triggered it. Um, so wow. that was, uh, yeah, I, um, so that was, that was very intriguing. Um, but yeah, fast forward. Um, to, Wait, but why did they point your fingers? Were you selling like this, like, uh, like, um, like triple A, like a uh, bundled, like h- housing, uh, like stocks you were not doing that like t- tell me about that yeah so um i think that this is you know the case um whenever you see um the market uh, the, the stock market swing mm-hmm. really big swings um generally um it is because um let's say you take an individual stock that's trading um, at like a hundred dollars, just arbitrarily. Um, when, when that stock price goes down a certain percentage uh, point, like 10% percent or um, more, um, they're part of the algorithm when, when you're trading, um, at least back then, um, you would, you would program the exit strategy. Okay. Of, okay. After you're, after I'm in the position or after the algorithm, after you buy the position, this is the way you should trade out of it. Um, mm-hmm. If you buy a hundred shares of, of a stock trade out of it, when it either, when it goes up a certain percentage, when it goes down, when you see different variables um, changing, um, mm-hmm. start getting out of it. That is the logic. The thing is, after a stock goes through a certain percentage decline, there, there isn't much anticipatory guidance you can give the, the algorithm. It's just basically, hey, if it goes, 
if the stock price goes down 15%, just get out, period. Got it. And when you have thousands of algorithms doing that, um, just a small move down of the market will make trigger different algorithms to go off at different times and that will have a snowball effect. Got um, it. So, yeah, I guess when they pointed the finger at us, it was a question of was our, were some of our algorithms the first ones to, to start selling um, when there was that de decline of the market, the abrupt decline. And it um, obviously it came uh, back that it was not us, which was a very big relief. Um, yeah, but um, every day was different. Uh, kind of similar to uh, work as a, as a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. um, every day is different. So there were a lot of similarities in looking back at, at things. Um, but yeah, I, did, I didn't think that I was going to change careers. Um, I was enjoying it. I was uh, thriving. Um, and yeah, I had this um, serious um, neurological um, issue happen in, in 2011. And it just rendered me um, incapacitated. Um, I um, was fortunate a lot enough that I was living with my brother at the time, who was who was a doctor. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, one morning, um, he finds me just face down on the in my bathroom. Um, he, he was leaving. He was leaving to go to work and saw my car still in the driveway, which was weird because um, I'd always leave a lot earlier than, than he would and um, came in to check in on me and, and you know, um, rushed me to the emergency department. And um, it, it took them a while to figure out exactly what was going on. Um, actually, a week um, after my hospitalization, which was... Um, for um, quite for a while, I was I was hospitalized, and um, when I went to my first outpatient neurology um, clinic uh, follow up, um, the doctor just was really surprised um, when she saw me walking, mm. um, saying, "Wait a second, like this, you shouldn't be able to be walking right now, looking at your MRI." Um, so just hearing that um, um, was kind of put things in perspective. Um, okay. Um, so what, like, sorry to interrupt you. You didn't you didn't have to talk about it if you don't want to. But like, do you want what, what like what happened? I guess. Yeah. Um, so I guess to this day, um, we don't know like what the ideology um, was, but it, it's. Um, was an acute um, autoimmune reaction, which mm. um, triggered um, an attack essentially on my central nervous system. Got it. Uh, so I had um, brain lesions, spinal cord lesions. Um, mm. So I think the neurologist said, like, your MRI looks like a roadmap. Wow. Uh, so um, yeah, uh, what the ideology um, was, uh, I till this day I'm, I'm not sure what what like was the initial trigger of it, but um, 
it was an autoimmune um, reaction. Um, so it, 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 I was in, in pretty much in bed um, in a dark room that was sound filtered because any sort of light or sound would trigger these extensive um, migraines and um, other like neurological symptoms. So I had a lot of time. I think um, I was out of commission for over three months. Wow. With just in a, you know, pretty much in a dark room most of the time that was quiet. Um, so I had a lot of time to, to think and, and realize that um, what I was doing at the time in terms of profession was not necessarily the most um, noble thing um, to do. It didn't feel like I was giving back um, or helping any facet of society really, um, except the coffers of um, the company that I was working for and, and my own like financial stability. Mm -hmm. um, and just, I don't know, maybe it was just the, the severity of what was happening at the time. Um, I felt like, um, you know, we're, we're on this, this earth for a very limited time. And um, I wanted to spend it doing something that I, that I love doing, but also, but also um, something that I'm contributing um, to the rest of humanity and the rest of my community and just did not did not see it in in that field and at the time you know um one thing that drew me to do medicine and to do psychiatry is obviously my interaction with um, the medical field and the people that that helped me um during that hospitalization um, and psychiatry in general um just because even though my main issue was a neurological issue. Um, it just had such a tremendous effect on my mood, my outlook, um, my thinking, um, and realized that, you know, like mental issues, mental health issues are pretty much there like across all medical diagnoses, across all facets of life. Um, I mean, I think one in two people, a recent study showed um, one in two people have um, some sort of a mental health um, issue going on at, at any given time, um, which is a lot of people. And, um, um, you know, going, I did, after that, I um, went back to work for a very short period of time and, and um, left there and, and studied for the MCAT, took that and ended up in medical school. And just the, the love and passion uh, for psychiatry and treating people in that discipline just grew and grew throughout medical school because um, for multiple reasons. One was the same thing. I, I, you know, whether I was on the internal medicine rotation or on a pediatric rotation, it was a lot of um, other like mental health issues going on despite the medical, um, acute medical condition. 
and I found myself like speaking more and more with patients and that was my favorite thing to do in medical mm -hmm. school was um, like uh, spend hours you know on the wards um, just getting to know my patients and trying to spend as little time as possible writing notes and, and doing that thing mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah um, felt like it, it wasn't unique to me that um, dealing with a medical issue, but kind of with this psychiatric um, background um, influencing things as well. Um, and the other rotations were were not as enjoyable as, as my <laughs> psychiatry rotation. So it was also kind of like a process of elimination as well. Mm -hmm. as to why I ended up in, 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 the, in this field. And um, I really, right now, um, I know it's still very early in my career, but I feel like I made the right choice because um, the similarities between this current job and my previous job as a trader, even though they seem like completely different worlds, um, many of the things that make them similar are the things that I enjoy the most, like everyday being different. Mm -hmm. um, every patient encounter in psychiatry, even if it's just something like depression, um, you know, depression in, in you will look, I think, very different than a, a major depressive episode in myself. Mm -hmm. um, so we're just so um, it's as diverse as, as the people, the population that, that, that you treat and the community that you're in. Um, and, and also the, it's somewhat of a very emotional job, um, similar to my previous um, career where, um, you know, you, you're emotionally involved. Um, and like you, we back to our original conversation, I think that we started off with, with about um, how being true is such a big thing in, in our field. Um, not necessarily in, in other fields. Um, maybe as a surgeon, you know, you want to keep your emotions out of things and just focus on um, completing a, a successful surgery. Mm -hmm. And emotions can kind of maybe get in the way of that. In, in our field, I, feel, I think to a certain extent, um, the empathy um, with, with the patient, putting yourself in, in their shoes and is, is encouraged um, and makes you become a better um, physician um, in, in this field. And um, to that extent, um, if somebody is, is having an acute crisis, it's, it's tough to, um, to kind of um, not, you know, not that for it to not have uh, some sovereign, some of an somewhat of an impact on 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 your own um, kind of um, outlook so that's another reason I treasure this place is, is for the mentors I have um, who I'm able to speak to very frequently um, and bounce ideas off and, and um, yeah I'm very thankful for 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 them being being in my life that's a moving story, man. Basically, like, just to summarize it, you were 
doing extremely well financially. You you were loving what you were doing, but there was this lack of meaning that you that that maybe you it was easy not to pay attention to while you were enjoying the work, and then you have this medical illness, and then you suddenly have to are forced to look at yourself and your life for three months in a black in a dark room without sounds. It sounds like a an interesting way to 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 rethink life and and not to say that there's no merit in, in making money right like that i think that there is some merit in like if you think of the maslow hierarchy of needs if we want to speak psychologically or psychiatry like it is important to have a a, a house and, and 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 feel safe in in what you're doing and after feeling safe then the natural uh, the natural selfish impulse to feel better is to help others. And, and it sounds like you felt that in your own way. And, and the beautiful thing about going through life with the, in the pursuit of meaning is that you don't just do a, a job, you try to do your best at it. And, and well, I, and I can clearly see that that's part of your personality. And I'm like very excited to hear about what's to come in your life. And, and you're right. Mentors are a great thing. And psychiatry is such a beautiful thing. It really forces you to know yourself better. Like you have to, if you want to become a good psychiatrist, you, you, you will be forced to look inside and you will be forced to get outside of your comfort zone. You're currently doing family studies. So I'm sure you have experienced a little bit of that at least. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I remember um, on the interview day, um, that was something you mentioned um, about why you um, chose to come to Duke was, um, I guess, the day after your interview, you were able to sit in on a family studies um, event, which is, which is very interesting, very, um, it's, I was, uh, so the way it works for, for the folks that are listening um, is that um, in our family studies program, you, um, as you act as the, the therapist and um, behind the one way mirror is your colleagues and and a, a mentor who's who um, I don't know Christian at the time did you have an earpiece that you would hear um, the comments through or is it a, a monitor that it... we had a monitor at the time where I was doing this that we would get like a real time feedback but be via text via typing okay same here right now um, we do it on Zoom so okay. the rest of um, my colleagues are you know. Um, turn off their videos and, and microphones and I just kind of um, listening in and watching um, and you'd get like chat messages over zoom about uh, suggestions of, of what you know what to ask next or what to say next and things like that um, so at first it was pretty um, nerve-wracking and, mm -hmm. and um, you know what you, you know your colleagues kind of seeing you do th you know doing therapy and, and uh, being in action. And um, that didn't last too long um, because I, th I think just the fact that you do it as well and you realize that, hey, um, it's it's all for the 
the benefit of, of getting to learn this uh, mm -hmm. modality of therapy and, and help each other. And um, again, like just the, the people that, that we're doing this with, like they so collegial and, and just have great insights. So it's been, I feel like I've improved a lot as a psychiatrist um, because of that family um, studies. Um, yeah. I remember, I remember getting at least one significant insight about my family, family dynamics, every session, and then like really thinking, okay, am I going to try to integrate this into my behavior? Or I'm going to keep doing the things the same way. And in some ways I still do this, some things the same way, some ways not, but it certainly opened my eyes into the patterns of behavior that were leading to some dysfunctional issues and and how that replays in itself in the different characters of the family and how it replays itself and how can you modify it and then it all comes to you know our brain and our mind is so interesting it's so focused on survival and it, it, it equates survival with uh, safety and what's known what's familiar And everything that is out of the script, every, anything that our mind can't fully predict what will happen in terms of changing your behavior, it will produce a significant amount of fear inside you. And that fear deviates you from taking this new type of behavior. And, and that's so funny because, yes, I think this is very well done by our physiology in order not to do things that could kill you. And back in the day when you had to decide whether to jump off the mountain or walk the other way. But when it comes to psychological nuances of day-to-day -day interactions, it's so funny how it, it, it plays the same way. It's, all, it's, it's basically life or death, whether you say this thing or the vulnerable thing. And, and it's so funny that, it, that nobody's going to die if you become a little bit vulnerable, but it's so hard to do it. And, and it's funny and interesting and kind of just, it's just interesting to find out what are your ways and in which you are afraid of being or doing the thing that is, that leads towards a, a more fulfilling interaction and and more loving nurturing leading interactions yeah. yeah yeah and and um another thing in family studies along those lines is it teaches you um how childhood um and events in childhood and the environment that you grow up in has such a tremendous impact on on your personality and, and who you are and, and um those other um, kind of fears, um, that anxiety and, and other symptoms like that later on in, in life. Um, so that, yeah, uh, being a parent, um, that has been, it's it's come in very timely, um, this this course, because <laughs> yeah, I, I learn things every, every day um, about like how to be a better parent and how my actions, um, you know, around my, my kids, how that may translate, how they may perceive that and how that would affect them um, later on in their life. 
And it's so funny that you talk about being a parent because, well, I, I'm not a parent, but, but in, in some ways, when you become a leader, you are lead. Well, I mean, you are leading others, right? It, 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 whether it's just through culture, organization, administratively, you are leading a group of people. And, and that in its sense, there is some modeling involved there. People will look up to you. Uh, people will adversely look up to you and, and people, but, but, but regardless of what you do, your behavior will be noticed and, and it will create an internal emotional reaction. And I think that's not too dissimilar from being a parent, even though I haven't been a parent yet. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, you, I think when you're a parent, you're basically under the magnifying glass or the microscope a lot, a lot of times, um, basically whenever you're around your, your children, um, they watch every move and um, hear everything you say. And uh, I think it's, um, you know, you got to, you want to show them, you know, the, the right, the right things and, and mold them to, to be who, to be free, to be who they want to be um, without like putting in these artificial constraints. Um, and to do that really, it's something that you need to um, do as well, not, not only say. Um, so it's definitely like a, a role model um, type of approach to to that and and yeah it's uh, something that you you learn something new every day when you when you have a five-year-old and, and a three-year-old like mm-hmm. you know running around and um telling you things that you didn't know for yourself so <laughs> now let me ask you something what's in your future where where do you see yourself going as a psychiatrist and, and in terms of location and career so um yeah, if anything, um, it's, you know, guides me is um, knowing that given my past, um, you cannot predict the future. <laughs> that is something I, I've learned. Um, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, honestly, Christian, I'm a firm believer in um, this, there's a sense of destiny and inevitability about about things um even if you um if you trace things back to the to the big bank for example um you know these particles just started dispersing expanding from from the big bang and um i i think though each particle that, that went out um based on the the attractive and repulsive forces of, of everything around it, um, I think it, you can predict where each particle is going to end up mm-hmm. in, in some in some way. And in, in that sense, if you, if, if you believe in that, you kind of have to believe that um, things are just going to happen. And um, they may have, have already happened. Um, and there's, there's no way to kind of, uh, we're just living it, um, so to speak. So I know that that kind of is 
maybe a bit of a passive way about um, viewing things, but it's, I think, I think realistic. Um, I think we kind of give ourselves um, sometimes too much credit in terms of how much we think we can, we can influence um, mm. the future. Yeah. Um, and I, to answer your question, I haven't really thought about exactly where my, where, where I'd be after residency. Um, maybe it's because I, I don't, I'm enjoying this a lot and just, and living in the, in the, in the moment, in the present. Mm -hmm. um, but I've, I know that at some point I, I have to make up my mind um, whether I want to do a fellowship. Um, I've been considering that um, or um, what I, where I would work, what I would do. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. You bring an interesting point about destiny, destiny and the potential inability to control your fate, which is kind of an interesting take. Hearing what you're saying specifically about the Big Bang and the repelling and attracting forces of the cosmos between matter and gravity, right? And I, I guess using the same analogy in human life, I, I to some extent, I agree in the sense that, yes, we do, we are given some degree of moment, of movement. And that movement is significantly derived from your childhood experiences. You have been given the tools in order to, to have your natural sense of movement as a human being throughout the rest of your life. And yet... Uh, and 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 a lot of this movement is unconscious. is 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 based on unconscious energy. A lot of what we do is unconscious, and yet at the same time we do have choice. And I and that's how I see it. We have this momentum that life has has given us, and we have the choice to either roll with it, and or modify it according to our will. And you know. I, I guess I am a firm believer that there are significant forces moving us to a specific place and there, and depending on your capacity of self-awareness and, uh, and self-study and conscious placement of energy, there is the possibility to change the outcome of such an event towards your benefit and the benefit of others. And I, and in that sense, and that's how I, I can also see it, but, but also in a macro level, I, I do believe that there, there's a potential for multiple possibilities of one's lifetime all occurring at once, and we're choosing to live through one of them. And, and all of those have already happened, and we're just traveling through this uh through uh, th through this uh, through this lifetime that we have chosen by the means of our attention in the vehicle of time and and but but, but yet you, but yet we're choosing to experience this one and in that way i feel like there is free will um or at least the possibility for free will if you really figure if you're lucky enough 
and hardworking enough to find a way to somewhat free yourself of the powerful forces of gravity and momentum and behavioral patterns that you have been given in childhood. Yeah, that's, um, I, that's a great point. And um, I think that that sort of, of thinking as well um, is, is protective um, <laughs> as, as well, because it, it kind of makes you um, kind of feel that you have control over over a lot of the outcomes of of your life and yeah. um, um, absolutely I, I think sometimes when when you make a decision you, you're doing it for a reason and it turns out that even though the decision may um, or something let's say something um, tragic or or bad happens in, in your life, like you lose your job or something like that. Um, it turns out that um, it, it could be the, the best thing that that ever happened to you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's also all a matter of like perspective and, yeah. and what you make of, of the situation. Um, mm -hmm. At the end, um, I agree, we're just um, like consciousness and attention that is, is in this wavelength, um, so to speak, for a, a limited period of time. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we move on to yeah. our attention moves on to something else. And you know what, like what you're bringing up in terms of the uncertainty of life, you're 100% you're correct. That I'm, I could die today. If there's one thing we know is that we, we know we're going to die and we just don't know when. And, and taking that into consideration, I'd like to do the best I can today because that's all I have control over. And that if, and, and depending on, on that degree of behavior, some opportunities or circumstances will appear and then I'll, then you, I'll choose one of them and then so on and so forth until the day I die. And I think that's probably the wisest way of living absolutely and and yeah and uh when i think being uh, in the present and being uh, like accepting things for what they are without um without a kind of looking too much into the future of, oh what is the outcome or what is the what is this going to lead to what is the the downhill effects to mm -hmm. to just know that um you're, you're here in the moment and um all, all you have control over is is the things that you have control over and um things may appear to be really dire or or um in in this very moment um but whatever happened or whatever you're feeling is something that's temporary and we as as humans have like this ability to kind of adapt um, to whatever the, the circumstances are I mean you can think about the, the last year um, how much we have adapted um, um, 
is is tremendous. Uh, I think um, it shows how how adaptive of a species we are. Hundred percent. Hussam, thank you for this amazing conversation. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Christian. Um, it's it's always great to, to chat with you. Yeah, likewise. And I wish you all the best in this coming year. And and we're gonna be like hanging out every once in a while in this uh, college of psychiatry. So it'll be fun to keep in touch with you and see how you're doing. And yeah, man, say hi and a hug to ev- to everybody over there from me. And let's talk again soon. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I look forward to it. <laughs>